Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What happened to music that meant something? The Who at the Kingdom or Kiss at the Coliseum. Where is the Misty Mountain Hop? Where is the, is the smoke on the water? Where is the Iron Man of today? Hey, this is not a test. This is rock and roll. Welcome to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis, the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Cott. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. Today on the world's only rock and roll talk show, Jim and I are going to dig up another batch of buried treasures. New music that you need to hear. Plus, we'll review the new album from soul genius Al Green. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time for some music news. We had the perfect timing Because this morning is the perfect morning Every morning Greg, that is an artist named Orba Square. It is the theme song for the iPhone, if you don't know. Why are we talking about iPhones? Because they have finally been cracked. The news here is that uh, SoulSeek, one of the peer-to-peer file-sharing programs, has finally been adapted to the iPhone. Now you can take your iPhone, you can connect to the net via Wi-Fi, and you can download songs and movies. This is the first time you are now going to be able to, uh, the the, uh, critics of it would say, steal music on your iPhone. The advocates would say, share music with each other, your friends and other people, with your iPhone. This is going to be interesting to see how this plays out because the next generation of iPhone is coming and that's exactly where it is going. Absolutely. I mean, the whole idea of having rogue uh, file sharing services available is uh, the world, the Pandora's box is being opened up by the fact that your cell phone basically now connects you to the internet. And this next generation of phone that Steve Jobs has developed, the 3G iPhone, which is about to debut in a few weeks, High-speed internet cell phone basically integrates the iPod with the cell phone with the internet. You've got it all in this little box that you carry around with you. Steve Jobs is looking at the next generation and, and thinking about how can I make money off this device, similar to what he did with uh, with the iPod. He made a ton of money selling the iPod. Now he's thinking, okay, how do I make money off this thing? Well, ringtones and ringbacks—that's the big money profit center that Steve Jobs is looking at. It's a very low overhead, high revenue stream that uh, Apple could be tapping into. In order to get access to those ringtones and ringbacks, though, he's going to have to renegotiate his deals with all the major record labels. And they're saying, wait a minute, Steve, those 99 cent set static pricing that you've offered for all those uh, individual songs, we want you to introduce variable pricing to both a uh, downloads of individual songs and individual albums. So when the new Shakira album comes out, for example, we want to charge people $14, $15 to download Instead it of than 10 bucks. And, and Jobs, of course, has drawn a line in the sand on that in the past saying, no, it's, you know, people aren't going to pay that kind of money. They shouldn't have to pay that kind of money to download a song. But and now, clearly people rewarded him for that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the reason iTunes is so successful is $0.99 cents a song, $10 an album. That, that's a good deal. That's the deal we should have had for the last 
20 years from the music business. Yeah, absolutely. The music business, uh, once again, failing to understand that pricing is a key issue with consumers. But here's the trade-off. Now, with the touch of a button on your cell phone, you can access all this music. You can basically carry the iTunes store around with you and get music anytime, anywhere. The question is, is the convenience of being able to do that going to be worth going back up to the $13.99, $14.99, $15.99, $16.99 album away from the $10 album. Well, exactly, and I think the record companies are taking a gamble here because they have really been vexed by the fact that Jobs has, has basically set the pricing for, for their music, and they want to take it back. So this is an interesting negotiation that's going to develop over the next year. Sync and everyone else is going to be saying goodbye to Lou Perlman, the man who is responsible for bringing us in Sync and the Backstreet Boys, the boy band mogul. He was uh, sentenced to 25 years in federal prison for running a lengthy systematic con, is what the prosecutors called it, that uh, inflated his net worth and cheated people out of $300 million. I think the definitive reporting on this, Greg, was done out of the Orlando Sentinel. A reporter named Willoughby Mariano wrote that uh, Perlman stood before the judge and said, I am truly sorry, Your Honor, to all the people who have been hurt by my actions. And uh, the reporter writes that investors laughed bitterly in response. (laughs) I love this. Uh, Perlman was arrested in June last year. He was hiding out in the uh, lush resort town of Bali, Indonesia, registered at a hotel under the name A. Incognito Johnson. I mean, not very original in terms of uh, his pseudonyms. It's really a rich story. One of those stories that you, you wish you were in the courtroom at the sentencing, the lawyer for Perlman basically pleading for leniency here, you know, to much consternation from the people in the audience. He argued that Perlman's opulent lifestyle was a business requirement. Yes, Mr. Perlman did live large, this is his attorney yeah, said, yeah, yeah. if you will. But judge, he was in the entertainment business, well, this is, that justifies everything. That's you know? why you've got a Learjet <laughs> and I've got a yacht. You know, but I, I think, look, I, I think that this sentence was lenient. I don't think it was fair. I think he should have gotten 25 years for each member of NSYNC and 30 for each member of the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Somebody's got to pay for that. Definitely. They say we N I double G E R. We are much more. Still, we choose to ignore the obvious. Man, this history don't acknowledge us. We were scholars long before colleges. They say we N I double G E R. We are much more. But still, we choose to ignore the obvious. We are the slave and the master. What you looking for? You the question and the answer. That is a title song from Nas's forthcoming album. Nas, one of the uh, biggest selling hip hop artists out of the East Coast of the last decade. Controversy that has been brewing over this album for the last year. The N word is the title of the record, the title of that song. Uh, Nas has gotten an incredible amount of publicity about it, especially in the wake of the Don Imus scandal, the use of that word, how it's used by the media. Uh, Nas arguing that he's appropriating or reappropriating that word and, and turning it into a positive or at least having a debate about it. He's gotten months and months of publicity out of it. Now he's decided that he's not going to call the album the N-word anymore (laughs) and has gotten a ream of publicity out of that. He's changing it to an as-yet-unnamed title. A lot of people are speculating that he will call it Nas. But again, a genius marketing effort here by Nas. People have not heard a note of music until (laughs) the single was released, and they have been talking about this album for months because of what Nas has said he would call it. That is Nas's only genius, though, I have to say, is the marketing end of things. Well, here was one uh, at one time a a brilliant rapper whose career has basically gone on autopilot the last uh, few years. But Kid Rock was right. I I can't believe I'm saying this, Jim, but Kid Rock was right in 1997. He told me, he said, the rappers have basically hijacked what it means to be a rock star. They've figured it out, how to market mm. themselves, how to present these larger-than-life images. And he's right. Look at what happened last year with Kanye West and 50 Cent. The big feud. People hadn't heard a word of music. They made those two albums blockbuster big sellers, by far the biggest sellers of the year combined in one week because they talked about this feud, they manufactured this feud, they went back and forth. People hadn't heard any music, and they were already talking about the record. And Nas has done the same thing here. How many people are going to go out and download this record or buy it just because they've heard Nas talk about it and and all the controversy swirling around? It's brilliant in its own way, but it's also an indication of where the marketing has gotten in this country. I have a better title for him, though. Cheap Stunt. Another word for pirate treasure.
this year. Them's my treasure, and I'm a burying them where no one will know where they're at but me. Man, I'd love to hear that theme, uh, Greg, because it means it is time for one of our uh, semi-couple-times-a-year annual Buried Treasures show, wherein we dig deep to play music we're actually excited about. You know, people sometimes write in and they say, why did you waste any time talking about Madonna or Mariah Carey? But that's part of the popular culture. I mean, we listen to that stuff so you don't have to, right? But then there's there's also the music that we are genuinely, actually, bona fide, excited about. And every once in a while, we do one of these shows to talk about some of that. Flying under the radar, you may not have heard it, we're going to play it for you. This is the stuff that we genuinely really love. And, you know, it's almost irrelevant whether or not this is commercially best-selling music. This is just good music. Yeah, we say it's good. To start these shows off, we generally flip a coin. On one side, we have Senator Barack. On the other side, we have (laughs) Senator Hillary. Let's flip the coin. Who comes up? I'm calling Barack. Ah, you bum. Okay, you got Barack. I won! I am going to start out, Greg, with a uh, Chicago connection, okay? This is a band called Local H that has been around for quite some time. It just released its seventh album. It's called 12 Angry Months. I will give the... um disclaimer here and say when we talk about Chicago artists on Sound Opinions, a national show, we're in Chicago. doesn't matter that we're in Chicago. This is an artist that is good enough to get national attention, get international attention to be shot into space. In many ways, Local H, led by one Scott Lucas, is the last of the grunge bands. They emerged at the heyday uh, of the alternative sound and they were kind of, you know, on the tail end of the Nirvana thing, sounding quite a bit like Nirvana at times with that big grungy guitar, those anthemic choruses. The difference was they were only a duo, just Guitar vocals and drums. And yet the sound they made was huge. They had one big hit with Down on the Floor, had their moment on modern rock radio, and the spotlight moved elsewhere, but they've been putting out consistently great albums since, and I think this may well be their best. It's a concept album. Scott Lucas is funny. He's a great melodic songwriter, but he also has some heft behind them intellectually. The idea here was he went through a truly miserable, horrible, down-and-dirty breakup with a a woman he was involved with for some time. He wanted to make a record like Dylan's Blood on the Tracks, like Marvin Gaye's Here My Dear, like The Stones' Aftermath. And I I think he came really close in his own way. It starts with the track January, the one with Kid, and that's the song I'm going to play. It's about when uh, his significant other is moving out and she's trying to grab records that are his. She's taking the Pretenders records. What's even worse, she's taking the Caius records and he's shouting back, you never liked them until you met me. You can't have those. I think that's the kind of messy detail that really makes this record come alive and that all of us have lived through. So here it is, January the One with Kid by Local H on Sound Opinions. So take this for granted You'll leave here empty-handed My image of you shattered Winning is all
That's Local H, January, the one with Kid from album number 7, 12 Angry Months. Mr. Cut, I know you like that one, too, because you wrote about it as well. I'm with you, Jim. Local H, uh, great band, and uh, this is a terrific record. A lot of people have sort of written them off over the years, but, uh, man, check out this record because it's, it's great. I agree with you. The band I want to go to is uh, from Scotland with a terrible, terrible band name, but don't be uh, frightened off, so to speak, by this band's <laughs> name. Frightened Rabbit. I mean, I'd, I'd like to be in the room when these guys decided that's going to be the name of our Frightened band. Frightened Rabbit. Maybe it means something different in Scottish. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe it was some, you know, drunken night, and, and they probably regret it now. But anyway, they've made a great record. Their second album is called The Midnight Organ Fight. And they had a, a debut record called Sing the Grays, which was pretty good. Kind of melancholy uh, in a jangly folk rock kind of vein. But they've definitely picked up the aggression and the volume on their second record. What's really interesting about this band, well, a couple of things. The, the singer Scott Hutchinson, there's something about a Scottish burr. When, when, when you talk about you know, leaving blood on the tracks, as you were talking about with Scott Lucas and, and Local H, blood on the tracks, there's something about that Scottish burr that just it screams, oh, there's blood on the floor, there's tears, there's sadness. Oh, wait a minute, that's my blood. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, the self-pity can factor into it, but this music never allows them to wallow in it. The singer's brother is the drummer, Grant Hutchinson, he's, and he's kicking his brother in the butt the whole time, saying, you will not wallow in this pain. You will turn it into catharsis. And uh, you've got this uh, great guitar, Bill, Billy Kennedy, who's just layering wall after wall of guitar up against this music. Peter Caddis, the uh, producer behind Interpol and Tokyo Police Club and a couple of other cool indie rock bands, maybe had something to do with the bigger sound. But whatever they've done, uh, they've done it right on their second realm album. It's called The Midnight Organ Fight, and here's a track from it called The Modern Leper on Sound Opinions. Was I you in front of me? Coming back for even more, they tell you the same. Well, you must be a masochist. Love a modern leper on his last leg, on his last leg. Crippled your heart a hundred times and still can't work out why. You see, I've got this disease, I can't shake and I'm just rattling through lies. Oh, well, this is how the things now, yeah, this is how the modern state scared. So I cut all the good stuff, yeah, I cut my food.
That's the modern leper from Frightened Rabbit. The Midnight Organ Fight is the name of the album. That was one of my buried treasures. We're going to be back with more buried treasures after this break on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. We are having entirely too much fun on the uh, the desert island playing our buried treasures. That's a little bit of Dan Deacon from that DVD release that he did, Ultimate Reality. It was new music. Uh, he's the, the psychedelic DJ, if you will. <laughs> I think the, the new orb. Not that a lot of people were asking for a new orb, but I'm glad to have him. <laughs> I, I would like to see a new orb, absolutely. I think he's the, I think he's the, the he's inheritor good. of the orb, which means he's in the Pink Floyd tradition. Great stuff. But the track I'm going to play, Greg, for my next pick is actually by a band from the mid-'80s, an era that you and I go back to once in a while, not because we're nostalgic, but because there was so much great music that is really buried. People never <laughs> had a chance to hear it. And the reason I'm able to talk to you again about Big Dipper is because those fine folks in North Carolina at Merge Records said the same thing I just said, man, this band was great, and you can't even buy their records anymore. They came out as indie 12-inch releases, and they're you know you can't even find them. And how come nobody's reissued Big Dipper recently? So the guys in Big Dipper wrote and said, hey, you know, we'd be happy if you put it out. <laughs> and so Merge has just put out this really cool box set, which incorporates the best Big Dipper recordings, uh, Boo Boo, the initial EP they came out with, the albums that followed for Homestead Records. It's called Super Cluster, the Big Dipper anthology. Whatever became a Big Dipper and who were they, the quick history is it was two guys from the Volcano Sons and Bill Goffrayer of The Embarrassment, one of those great Midwestern power pop uh, roots rock bands. They joined together, did a couple of great recordings that I went back recently and looked at my first review of the first Weezer album and I said, you know, this band is pretty good, but they wish they were Big Dipper. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> In right. retrospect, you know, Weezer, of course, has outsold Big Dipper by about a million to one, but the roots of that sound of where a couple of nerds guys who are interested in science and weird things. We love the Loch Ness Monster and we're going to name check obscure astronomers and stuff like that. We're going to write songs about it and at the same time write songs about how nobody loves us. Mm-hmm. It's like really the roots of, of nerd rock and emo as it was uh, practiced in, in the new millennium are here in this box set which is I think one of the reasons Merge put it out along with the fact that there are great songs. If you doubt it, I'm going to play for you the very first Big Dipper song that we ever heard. It was the opening track on that EP from 1987 called Boo Boo. It's called Faith Healer. This is how Big Dipper introduced themselves to the world. I think it's well worth your time to dig in and rediscover them. So it's Faith Healer from Super Cluster, the new Big Dipper anthology on Sound Opinion. Thank you. 
Great stuff, Jim. Sometimes it's great to get nostalgic, and uh, I am very nostalgic for that 80s indie rock scene. It's great to hear those guys getting some justice after all these years. Maybe somebody will hear these records this time. Something else that has been under the radar for a long, long time is the San Francisco Bay Area scene. It's not nearly as notorious as the Los Angeles gangsta scene or obviously the New York City scene or Miami's or Houston's, all much more notable in terms of commercial appeal. But I think the hip-hop that has come out of the Bay Area the last 15 years can can hold up with any of them. In particular, the music made by one Tom Shimura, a.k.a. Lyrics Born. He was in a group called Latyrix. They made a terrific record a few years ago. His 2003 debut solo album later that day was one of my favorite albums from that particular year. And now he's back with his second full-length studio record called Everywhere at Once. Appropriately titled, Jim, this guy wants to do everything. He doesn't yeah. want to stick to one particular style of music. Hip-hop purists are appalled because this guy's not real hip-hop man, mm-hmm. but one of the smartest lyricists out there. A deep appreciation of 70s soul and funk you can hear throughout this record. It reminds me a lot of the coup and Boots Rally, another San Francisco Bay Area stalwart. Really smart politically tinged lyrics, but they understand it doesn't matter unless you can get out on the dance floor and shake your butt to it. So I think Lyrics Born has got the same kind of philosophy with that on, on this particular record. Everywhere at Once is the name of the album, and Don't Change is the track from Lyrics Born on Sound Opinions. Don't change, don't change, don't change the way you do things. Don't change, don't change, don't change the way you do it, baby. Don't change your walk, don't change the way you talk, don't change Much. I heard him say I couldn't cut it in my album suck Cause I was too experimental, played around too much Just because I wasn't doing all the average stuff But now my people's always think that I was bound to bust And when they see me on the streets, give me pounds and huh Cause I stuck to my guns, I'm about the fun I can't help myself, that's the sound I love Then one by one I tore down the clubs And when I stepped on stage, the whole house erupted Slapped so hard I should've won the Stanley Cup See, I like to drink a little, talk loud and stuff Because I'm outspoken, that's just the town I'm from I got him a pair of jeans, I ain't counted up And these gangs Set me back a couple thousand bucks, but you know that's what it is, baby. That's the sound. Hey. Don't change, don't change, don't change the way you do things. Don't do it. Don't change, don't change, don't change the way you do it, baby. No. Don't change your walk. Uh-uh. Don't change the way you talk. Not for don't nobody, change man. The way you do your thing. Don't change the way you talk, baby. Oh. Don't change your face. Uh-uh. Don't change the way you straight. Hey. Don't change the way you do your thing. Don't change. Uh. Just took a little bit to get them off the ground. Along the way, cast off a million ounce of help. I could have been all in, talking pounds and up. Now, ten years, put up over a thousand bucks. That's less than McDonald's, bro. If you stretch that out, it don't amount to much. And that's just bad. Come on, baby, add it up. It's not bad for a cat to flunk algebra. But ain't nothing wrong with my numbers now, you duck. Because I always knew how I felt about myself. I learned early on, this ain't for powder puff. That's a thing, man. If you got talent, son, you gon' always have haters that doubt you, bro. It's on you to show them. They was out to touch And if they should have messed with you They was out to touch Don't change, don't change, don't change the way That's Lyrics Born, one of my buried treasures With a track called Don't Change From the album Everywhere at Once Jim, what do you got next? Greg, we, uh, we haven't talked about this artist ever on the show, and I think it's about time, because I think this may be her year. You and I sat at South by Southwest and listened to Lou Reed, the grumpy old guy that he is, say that his favorite artist in the world right now was this woman, Joan Wasser, better known to the world in, in the way that Polly Jean Harvey was PJ Harvey and... The band was also P.J. Harvey. Joan Wasser is Jonas Policewoman, and her band is Jonas Policewoman. Interesting woman has been on the fringe of so many fascinating things musically over the years. She was the girlfriend of Jeff Buckley, who drowned in, in 1997. Of course, she made music with Mary Timoney, an artist I really like quite a bit. She was uh, playing with the Dam Builders for a while. She backed Anthony and the Johnsons for a while. She's recorded with all sorts of people, including Rufus Wainwright in that New York folk pop scene. And now, you know, 
know, she's really starting to get some buzz going for Jonah's police woman. She made a record in 2006 called Real Life, which was just reissued with much wider distribution, kind of to fan the flames for her coming second album, which is called To Survive. We might review that down the road when it's officially out, but I thought I'd play something from that 2006 record because it has been bubbling under for so long, and she just seems to be starting to achieve some sort of notoriety now. You know, she's a strong vocalist. She's a, a really interesting songwriter, but I, I can't say it's any of the anything in particular. She just has this vibe that comes through her music. It's very emotional, like a lot of people would say about Buckley, except his voice bugged me and Jones <laughs> doesn't. I'm going to play a song called Christabel from that real-life record. Here she is, Jonah's Policewoman on Sound Opinions. That's Jonah's Policewoman with the song Christabel from the Real Life album. We're going to continue talking about our buried treasures when we come back on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. If you'd like to tell us about some buried treasures of your own or comment on anything we say here, 1-888-859-1800 is our hotline, or you can email us at interact at soundopinions.org. And later on, we'll have a review of the new album by Al Green. Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. Jim DeRogatis and myself, Greg Cott, we're running down some of our Buried Treasures records that are under the commercial mainstream radar last few weeks, last few months, that we feel need broader attention. And that is one of them right now called Cloud Cult with an album called Feel Good Ghost from rural Minnesota, orchestral pop band who just made a terrific record. Another band I want to play in our Buried Treasure segment, Jim, is a, is a band from Los Angeles that's uh, making a lot of noise literally the last year, a band called No Age with a record called Nouns. They started out on the Los Angeles underground scene. I actually saw them when I was out there for Coachella last year. There's an all-ages venue called The Smell that is making some noise in Los Angeles. That's cool. Sort of catering 
to these underground noise bands. And um, I immediately love them because I love that, as I know you do, that meld of noise and melody. And I instantly heard the connection between these guys and what Husker do and Mission of Burma were doing in the 80s, and more recently, a band like Parts and Labor, who we've had mm-hmm. on this show. You know, it's a timeless sound, to my mind. You know, the, the idea of these melodies fighting through these noise-encrusted arrangements. This is just a two-person band, a drummer and a guitar player. The guitarist named is Randy Randall. The drummer vocalist is Dean Spunt. Um, <laughs> drums and guitars, and they also sample themselves and create sort of this extra layer of electronics, a static buzz in the music, create these really dense almost slapdash kind of arrangements and fight through them. Before Husker Du met a real producer and was working with Spot and recording albums in 24 hours, and they sounded kind of lo-fi and kind of tinny, but still great and galvanizing. That's what these guys remind me of. They, they're sort of at that stage in their development. Nouns is actually their first full-length album. The record they put out last year was a compilation of EPs. This is the first full-length. It's only 30 minutes long, 12 songs. You can tell they pack a lot in in a, a short amount of time. Here's a track called Capo from No Age on Sound Opinions. Capo from No Age, a new record called Nouns on the Sub Pop label, one of my buried treasures. Jim, what's up next for you? Greg, I have to talk about the new album by Black Angels. I know we've mentioned the band once or twice Great on this band. show. We discovered them at South by Southwest a couple of years ago. It's a group from Texas that is dedicated to that uh, heavy, dark, ominous, psychedelic, trippy sound of the Velvet Underground, the Velvet Underground of Black Angels' death song. All right? right. And that's where the name comes from. That's a familiar sound, but I think the thing that the Black Angels do is that they make the lyrics relevant. It's not just about the moodiness of the music. They're political, and they are upset. They are from Texas. They do not like the way that America has gone, and they don't see any reason that uh, psychedelia shouldn't be able to address the state of the world as well as the state of your soul. Right. I was ordering my albums over here to, for this show. And one of my CPR colleagues came over and said, the Black Angels, they make me feel like I'm on drugs. And I was like, oh, that, of course, is an endorsement. This is a good thing. But they are also thinking about politics. Uh, there's a song in here in particular where they're talking about 
White Men Thinking They Are God. It's it's really powerful. That's not the one I'm going to play. I'm going to play is a song that may or may not be talking about the, the yearning for peace in times of war. It's called Doves. The new album is called Directions to See a Ghost. Here are the Black Angels on Sound Opinions. Man, don't you want to just hear a full album like that? 45 minutes. That's <laughs> Doves by the Black Angels from Directions to See a Ghost on Sound Opinions. Mr. Khan, I think you have one final buried treasure for us before we dive into the Al Green album. Yes, I do, Jim. You brought up Local H, and I think that's terrific. I think when we talk about buried treasures, it's not just about brand new, shining, new, hot bands that are underneath the mainstream radar. It's also about bands that have been around for a while and been taken for granted and are doing great new work. And I would put this band in that category, Mud Honey. It's interesting that their amazing debut record, r- literally the record that puts sub-pop records on the map in Seattle in the late 80s, Super Fuzz Big Muff, has just been reissued in a deluxe double CD package with bonus tracks. And, yeah. you know, you put it on and it still sounds fantastic. Yeah, yeah listen, kids, really. If you don't <laughs> own Super Fuzz Big Muff, you're, you're missing something vital about life. Go out and buy it immediately. Absolutely. And I, I maybe, maybe it was the reissue that re-inspired these guys. But I think their new record, The Lucky Ones, the eighth of their 20-year career, is right up there with Super Fuzz Big Muff in terms of what it sounds like, the urgency of the music. It was recorded in three and a half days. Steve Turner is just a great guitar player. He's the only guitar player on this record. Usually Mark Arm, the vocalist, also has guitar. It's just Arm on vocalist singing that stray cat yowl of his. <laughs> and then there's Turner on guitar. And Dan Peters, my God, this guy's been their drummer forever. He's great. Uh, is amazing. And in particular, he's amazing on this particular song. It's the title track from the new Mud Honey record, The Lucky Ones, on Sound Opinions.
That's the Lucky Ones title track from the new Mud Honey record on Sound Opinions. We're done with our buried treasures for the moment, but let's go on and review the new record by the Reverend Al Green. Just met you just the other day. Everything started flowing my way. That voice could be no one else but the Reverend Al Green with the title track from his new record called Lay It Down. Al Green has been making records obviously since the 60s, an incredible run of soul classics in the 70s with Willie Mitchell down in Memphis, uh, recontextualized that entire Memphis sound, the transition from the Stax record sound of the 60s into the high record sound of Willie Mitchell and Al Green in the 70s, an incredible run of great soul and R&B music out of Memphis during that era. Green had a huge change of heart in the late 70s and basically devoted his life to God, became a minister. You can still go to Reverend Green's parish down in Memphis and bear witness to a three-hour service by Reverend Green in which he will single you out. He recognizes every member of his flock, and if you are a new member of the flock, he will he will sing to you and introduce you to the rest of the congregation. You, you just better put something in the collection oh, plate. It's an amazing service, i got to tell you. <laughs> he returned to uh, secular music in the mid-'90s, was half-heartedly received, reunited with Willie Mitchell for two pretty good records in 2003 and 2005 called... I Can't Stop and Everything's Okay, but that just sort of uh, set the table for the inevitable collaboration with a new generation of musicians and collaborators who have admired uh, Al Green's music for decades. Amir Questlove Thompson and James Poyser, two of the key members of the Philadelphia hip-hop group The Roots, who we've reviewed many times on this show, have been longing to work with Green and uh, finally got into the studio with them. They've added some key singing collaborators, Anthony Hamilton, Corinne Bailey-Ray, John Legend, basically the core of the current neo-soul movement that basically owes everything to Al Green, uh, said, why not make a record with this guy? And that's what they've done. So it's uh, Amir Thompson and James Poyser producing Al Green singing, and here's a track from the new record. It's called Standing in the Rain from Al Green on Sound Opinions. Standing in the Rain by Al Green from his new album, Lay It Down. 
Greg, the Dap King's horn section plays on that, and uh, they kill me. They're really, I think their contribution shines on this record, mm-hmm. as does Quest Loves. What a great drummer. We were just saying that when we reviewed the last Roots record. You know, on the surface, this was a recipe for disaster. It sounds a lot like the Carlos Santana project, <laughs> the Clive Davis helm. Let's bring a bunch of new current artists in to work with a legend, and right. we'll revitalize him. But Questlove in particular, uh, just he decided, I want that Willie Mitchell sound more than Willie Mitchell was even able to get <laughs> on the last two Al Green records. It is a horrible cliche that is often used in the music business. You know, that guy could sing anything. You know, mm-hmm. he could sing the phone book. He would sound great. It is true with Green. Unfortunately, his songwriting on this album, with the one of the rare exceptions is the song we just played, is about as interesting as the phone book. You know, and, and he admits as much. There was an interview I read where he was talking about the song I'm Wild About You, and uh, all he, he keeps the animal channel on all day. He loves Animal Planet. Right. He loves giraffes. <laughs> yeah. He says, I love polar bears. I love I love all these animals, and, and that's all I was writing about. Green is straddling this weird line. He, he wants to sing love songs where you're sort of unclear whether he's mm-hmm. singing, does he love God? Does he love a, a woman? We don't know. I, I think as a songwriter, he has been off his game since the disco era. He mm-hmm. didn't really know how to react to that. He stumbled badly. But incredible singer ever since. His voice has not aged at all. I don't mm-hmm. think it's any exaggeration to say he's singing as well today as he ever did. I just wish he had strong material. Yeah, I think uh, the lyrics are the are the big downfall of this record, but I choose to focus on there there's so many passages in this record where he's not singing words at all. It's just the sound of that voice. Yeah. And what a voice. I mean, there are moments in songs like Take Your Time, which is this erotic duet with Corinne Bailey Ray, which really steams the windows without, <laughs> you know, any crass sort of metaphors or anything like that. There's these wordless falsetto moments in in songs like Too Much that are just amazing. They send chills up your spine. And that song you mentioned, I'm Wild About You, lyrics stink. The, the singing performance is amazing. He is investing himself in yeah. every one of these words. But we were you know? both very excited about Mavis Staples' record last right. year, right? Where she went back and remade the uh, the songs from the Civil Rights right. era. What if the Reverend Al had done something like that? I mean, timeless songs matched with a timeless voice, you have magic. Yeah, you would have thought that something more would have been added because Anthony Hamilton is a pretty good songwriter. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more input there. I mean, obviously they had input, but they also gave Al a wide berth. I think they maybe they were, were and a little bit in awe of this guy. Yeah. And I would like to see them make another record together because I think this is really a step in the right direction. Al seems re-energized. The way yeah. he's singing on this record is terrific. But as a result of the fact that the lyrics aren't quite up to the standards of, say, like the Bell album, yeah. which is you yeah, know, yeah. just a classic Al Green record, I'd have to give it a burn it. I have to give it a burn it as well. Reverend Al's going in the right direction. We just think he could do a little better. What do we have next week, Greg? Next week, Jim, we have an interview and a live performance from the band that has the number one album in the country at the moment, Death Cab for Cutie. Going to be good stuff, Greg. As always, we have some thank yous to say. Our intrepid Sound Opinions production team is Todd Bachman, Jason Saldana, and Robin Lynn. And our fearless leader, a man we like to call A. Incognito Johnson, is Tori Southside Malatier. <laughs> On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. Now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Hey, Jim and Greg. This is Michael from Gray's Lake, Illinois. I just wanted to call and thank you for having Saul Williams on today. I went to his concert at Martyrs in Chicago a couple weeks ago, and uh, there was only a handful of people there, but it was sold out in uh, the small club that it was. When uh, Saul hit the stage, we were just awe-inspired. Our jaws dropped and our eyes bulging out. We could not believe the performance he put on. He 
system they actually shorted out many times throughout the night and that didn't stop them. It was just so cool to see him rant and go on and it, it was it was inspiring and amazing. And uh, I can't wait to see him now that he's been announced that he'll be at Lollapalooza this summer. So hopefully he'll uh, put on another amazing performance and everybody will get a chance to see him this time around. Again, thanks for having him on. Great show. Hi guys, uh, this is Kevin calling from Tacoma Park, Maryland, and I wanted to say in reference to uh, the passing of Dr. Hoffman and playing of the song My White Bicycle, I was listening to the podcast and the song gave me this weird sensation of pressure in my left ear, like so much so I had to move the headphones off my head to make sure I wasn't hallucinating, and um, I wasn't even on LSD at the time, but anyone who likes a good headphone record definitely needs to check that out on a pair of headphones. Thanks a lot. Hi, I, this is Melissa calling from uh, Astoria, New York. I just want to say I, I just heard the show about, with your review of Flight of the Concord, it was an excellent review on Jim's part. I, I thought that uh, it was spot on and... Uh, I appreciate the fact that the album is so readily available now, so I don't have to go to YouTube anymore. And I I just wanted to say that um, I really do think that the show is what highlights the songs. I mean, you can't really listen to the songs without the visuals from the show coming in to your head. So I I think it's it's kind of, you can't have one without the other. And uh, if you're really going to appreciate the album for its comedic value, you have to kind of be a fan of the show as well. Thanks for the show. It's wonderful. You know you're not in high finance, considering secondhand underpants. Check your mind, how to get so bad. What happened to those other underpants you had? Look in your pockets, haven't found a cent yet. Lennon's on your walls, have you paid your rent yet? In a, in a city, in a city pressure. Hey, Jim and Greg. This is Chris from Chicago. I just would like to uh, firmly disagree on the Los Campesinos review that you all had. I saw them in D.C. this uh, past weekend, and uh, it completely blew my mind, and I can't wait to see them again in Chicago. And the album is just spectacularly great, and I revel in love all the inside jokes in the music industry and and all the things that you uh that you hate and i'm waiting waiting for c19 in the summer of 2007 the summer that punk rock broke my heart i think it's maybe a slightly hypocritical uh, of you all to to call them out for their inside hipster kind of uh persona when, you know, here we are uh, listening to a, uh, a rock and roll talk show that does a lot of the same things, but this is the great thing about music, we get to debate and, and have fun and, uh, and, and disagree on these things, but I love you guys' show, thanks a lot. No more messages. To give us your opinion on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 1-888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with sound opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media.